Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And as always, we've got a treat for you today. We are joined by a gentleman who is the founder of Opuous, a company that navigates business technology so you don't have to. And he's also a contestant on The Blocks Season 7, which is where I found him. Please welcome to the show, Dante White. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Appreciate Dude, it. Welcome. Like, what is an Opuous and how do I pronounce that properly? Yeah, opuous is, uh, yeah, it's a made up word, right? Uh, you know, I guess all words are really made up, but it was really the the conjoining of, uh, of an idea, right? I was watching a documentary on octopus while like kind of daydreaming what my entrepreneurial journey was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And the genesis of what we do, you know, after the formal, like, you know, technical stuff of what we do is my whole dream was to help other businesses uh, also create bigger businesses for themselves, right? So Opuous stands for the opportunity for you is an opportunity for us. And I just melded them together after watching an octopus and saying Opuous, right? So that's how we came up with the name. You know, the best names are often born out of the best stories. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, um, I, that's that's how I that's how I made the the name of my holding company. I mashed my name and I mashed Nina's name together, and we came up with a holding company name just by uh, mashing them together. So, dude, <laughs> how'd you like the blocks? How was that for you? It was fun, man. Um, you know, it was definitely a gruel, right? It's there are super long days. I I I didn't know what it was going to be like to be on reality TV, right? I just right. on a whim applied. I don't even remember applying and got a, you know, phone call. Hey, look, we want to, you know, I thought someone was messing with me, honestly. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, go through the whole casting process, not really thinking I'm going to make it. And then lo and behold, I, I made it. Right. And so uh, being on the show itself was interesting. Right. Because I went in with, you know, people were, go, hey, you got to have your your pitch. You know, you got to have your like your backstory. Right. And I. I'm a pretty regular person, right? Right, right. I, I was like, I don't know what you like. I'm not, I'm not trying to create this persona. And when I got on there, right, like there's business owners on there, right? But some of these business owners are actors and actresses, aspiring, uh, you know, people to be on TV. And so, you know, part of it was just the rush of excitement of being around other entrepreneurs and that mm -hmm. electric energy. The I other love part that, of the yeah. long the long days, right? Like we'll get there at like sometimes eight in the morning. We did, one of the days I didn't leave till I didn't get home till like one thirty or something. Did, did they give you a disclaimer when you signed up about that? No, they no. did. They did with us. Okay. So I was on, uh, I was on season 11 and th this is how we met. We met in the blocks group and we answered a few threads together and we chatted back and forth a little bit, but dude, I was on season 11 and they prefaced it with a disclaimer. Like this is going to be hard. This is going to be the longest days. Um, right. Then they were like, believe us it's going to be hard we're not bullshitting this is hard and like of course i got there i was like yeah whatever fucking 10 12 hour days we'll we'll, we'll crush it yeah. no problem and i was exhausted man it was it was Almost, so different. you know i thought i was like the same right like i was like i'm a single father i'm like you know i've been there done that i've college i've been a burning man i've been in grueling environments right, right. Like, all day heat but like i would get home and i would just knocked out man mm -hmm. just so knocked out and like the decompression afterwards 
oh, right yeah. coming back into the real world dude it took me a week afterwards <laughs> oh my god it was not i see and i i should have you know i'm a go 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 type of person mm -hmm. i went on the blocks and i was like every business owner here is my target right i help businesses right, grow their business right. through technology scale right it's what we talk about on the blocks how to scale your business and that's what we do through technology so i start i'm just like booking meetings booking meetings booking meetings i get back like the very next day i have a call at like 8 a.m you know and like my calendar is like back to back to back and i was like i can't believe i've done this to myself <laughs> man i had a similar experience um when i went to england uh last month I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to work. I've got a bunch of stuff I need to get done. This will be great. This will clear out some time. And so I'm like, well, my plane landed at 10. So I'm like, right, I should be at the house by 1. So I booked my first meetings for 2 o'clock, which was, uh, you know, 8 a.m. Texas time, normal work day. <laughs> Dude, never again. Never again. Um, yeah, I think we uh, when we live by our calendars, um, I think we forget to, to schedule rest in there, you know, uh, it's the truth. I I talk, joke about it all the time. Uh, I live and die by my calendar. I'm like, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. I, part of that is just uh, you know helping myself through ADHD. <laughs> I'll forget stuff. So that's like one of my crutches is to Dude. live by this reminder system. Calendars are just just so important. I wish uh, I wish they they had taught me that uh, a lot earlier. I didn't learn time blocking and stuff till oh probably about five six years ago. And the the, the flip side of it is, you know, somebody asks you something, you look at your calendar, like, oh, a gap, and then you, you put it in there, and then all of a sudden you've you've got no time to sit down and, and have a cup yeah. of tea and, and just relax for a minute because, uh, uh. like, we I know we go hard during the day, um, dude. Let's uh, let's rewind way back past up you us up you us. Let's rewind past that because obviously it's not like the first go at entrepreneurship you've had. So um, the the premise of the small business surgeon and the reason I do the show is um, you know I'm I'm doing pretty well and now I feel very very inclined to give back to the entrepreneurs that are coming up behind us and um, so I like to get guys such as yourself with uh, with a lot of experience in the space to tell their stories of entrepreneurship and so that we can uh, pass the lessons on to the fellows that are listening or give the more experienced ones uh, a little bit of a chuckle you know? yeah, <laughs> so, yeah yeah war stories right yeah so man did you always want to be an entrepreneur as a kid was that something that was in you you know were you yeah. run, running around selling sweets <laughs> literally Right. So it's funny. Like, yeah. When I used to interview for a job, they'd be like, what was your first sales job? And I was like, well, I was six years old. And, you know, and I would tell a story of, uh, you know, my younger sister uh, was about to be born. And, you know, there's uh, a tradition where like guys will hand out cigars. Right. right. So my parents bought me these bubblegum cigars, something we couldn't have today. Right. The, <laughs> you know, because it was cool. We could have like candy cigarettes. Right. Yeah, remember the bubblegum candy, cigars. The candy cigarettes. Dude, you, were, you were such a stud. Oh. And at six yeah. or seven years old and yeah. Like, yeah did you spit the paper out on those or did you eat the paper too uh well i ate the paper too but, you know <laughs> don't do everything that i do uh yeah so i remember i was i was the kid that was selling candy i was selling these bubblegum cigars my teacher had uh you know an item shop in their school where like if you were on good behavior you did certain things you'd get fake money you could buy yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and i'm like splitting up like you know <laughs> looking back on it, it was kind of you know 
I'm like breaking up Play-Doh into smaller bricks of Play-Doh, right? And selling it on the playground for the kids that didn't behave as well, but they could get some cash from their parents, right? I'm making a lemonade stand at, you know, my parents' yard sale. Mm -hmm. Like I always, 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 I was the kid that always had money and always had a hustle. Yep. Yeah, yeah, same. It's uh, it's strange how you can grow up on two different continents and have a, such a such a similar upbringing, man. Yeah, um, that was it. I started out selling candy and then paper routes and then you know selling whatever I could get my hands on. It was uh, yeah, it was, it, baseball cards, Pokemon. Card. I mean, I even you know do it in the you know sometimes when I was like in between things as an entrepreneur would go on Facebook Marketplace and mm -hmm. I'd see like you know like a couch. Oh, I'd be like, oh, I could flip that real quick. Dude, I'm terrible. I do it with cars and with houses. And it has nothing to do with my business. Nothing to do with how yeah. I make money. But man, you see a good deal on a car, I'm like, I'm going to flip that. Yep, yep. I ran an auto body shop. That was my first foray into entrepreneurship, right? And so that's oh, let's I talk did about that. that, dude. Yeah, tell me, yeah, tell yeah. me how that started. Um, yeah, so I started off, uh, I used to be in radiology sales, right? If you look at my, my resume, every, it's all over the place, right? Uh, most um, entrepreneurs do that. It's, it's like we like to try the flavor and then see if we like it. And then uh, it's, generally, it's the truth. yeah, we either keep it or we spit it out, you know? Yeah, so I was working in radiology at the time, and then I got a, uh, a job offer to come out, to move back out to Denver. I'm from Denver originally. Mm -hmm. Uh, to run an auto body shop, right? To mentor underneath this shop owner. And then I was going to take the shop over. Okay. Right. And so I come in, I don't really know much about auto body other than the fact that I used to tinker on cars as a, you know, a teenager with my father and, mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And I was an automotive class and all that. So, you know, I come in to an auto body shop and first things first, I, I got to get dirty. So I'm, you know, grinding on stuff. Uh, you know, doing Bondo, paint prepping, detailing car. I really wanted to know the ins and outs of it before mm -hmm. I could go out there and sell. But, but that you know, stuff is, I could go out there and, that know. stuff's fun too, dude. Like I used oh, to, I love it. I used to love doing, I used to love working on cars. Like such There's a, there's something a different about doing something like I do. St I build today, right? We build today, but it's such an intangible theoretical thing, right? Like uh, to actually do something with your hands and mm -hmm. watch it be built is it's something it's it's definitely different so I do that a lot in my spare time like I like to get into it and, and have fun and, and get dirty and do some woodworking or some welding uh, it's such a it's such a difference from being a, a digital creator I mean my, my job is essentially now systems and infrastructures and, and building out the, the back end of companies and Sometimes you just want to put your hands on something physical and hit it with a hammer and screw it to a wall and just build something just to just to remind yourself that you know hey if if the computers did go away we'd still be all right you know this, this, <laughs> that's the truth man it, yeah during COVID with my son I was you know because we were homeschooling right uh, yeah I was uh, we were doing this bit called uh, I used to, I used to call him Son of the Apocalypse and I was doing this web series. And I was teaching my son how to do urban survival, like oh, find wow. nearby water sources, how to distill that certain different ways. How can you start a fire? How could you trap a bunny or a squirrel in the neighborhood? Stuff like that. Just, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, there's a lot that gets lost over the decades of, of that kind of very core concept. Yeah. Putting your hands on something and building something, right? Or deconstructing it. Right? So yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the ultimate. I think it's important. The, the ultimate in urban survival is to find the yard signs that vote Democrat and just take their things. <laughs> Be surprised. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Enough. Take me back to the auto body shop. What happened, dude? 
Um, yeah, so I came into the auto body shop. They were, you know, kind of a little over six figures. I think they were pushing about 174 grand uh, a month as I was coming in. Then as I was exiting that business, we were pushing like nearly half a million dollars per month out of the shop. And there was one, two, there was three auto body bays and one paint bay, you know, so it was a pretty small shop, right? Yeah, and it was just, yeah. I'm a, I'm a very systematic person, right? Like uh, I, I, I look things, I look at processes and efficiencies, right? Um, and I find easier ways to get to the end goal, right? Like uh, there's, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it's like, what you want to do is hire somebody lazy for the job because they're going to yes. find the easiest way to do yeah. the job, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of what I would do is I, you know, I was like, look, this working hard stuff is for the birds. Like there is a much easier path. To, and so that's why I just started ripping out all these inefficiencies and creating different ways of ordering and how to, you know, maximize our profits and, and, and our cash flow, right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we were a cash only, we didn't have trade accounts, anything like that. We pay, when it came, we paid for it. Mm -hmm. So it was really important for us to keep our cash flows very like, you know, flowy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had a lot of fun, right? Like I learned everything front to back, right? I learned, uh, you know, business management. I learned marketing. I learned sales. I learned, uh, you know, operational components. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about building stuff. So I'm learning also like how production flow works, I, you know, trade accounts like right, we talked right. about. It's, it's, it was a, I was, I think, 24 you know, I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. It was a sink or swim situation. Um, and I loved it. I, you know, I got bit by it and I, you know, ever since then I've just been kind of dabbling in, in other types of entrepreneurship events. There's a lot to be said for, you know, having somebody come in and, and run through a company and look at its systems and look at its inefficiencies. I think that, you know, often business owners get so caught up in, in delivering the actual product that they're, they're trying to sell they forget to look at how to make things run properly and so uh, there's, there's always uh, a lot excuse me sorry there's always a lot of things uh, that you can go in and uh, and kind of tweak what were some of the things that you modified at the shop to take the revenue from just under 200,000 to uh, to 500,000 what were some of the things you touched on yeah, so really it was kind of uh, understanding the process of how auto body works, right? So car comes in collision, you give the first estimate $10,000, but you can't see the assessed damage underneath. Right, right. Right. So the insurance company will only write a check for the initial damage mm -hmm. and then you got to go in and do supplements, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that is kind of the first barrier in the roadblock, right? Is like, okay, vehicle comes in, we have the initial estimate. I would have the techs tear the entire vehicle down as far back as we could take the the damage to go and along the ways i'm documenting i'm taking all the photos and all that stuff because documentation is key right right, right? Sure. because what they want you to do they want to slow the money process up right they mm -hmm. want it to take forever uh they want to save as much money. that's their whole game right it's part of it yep. so and then i would instead of ordering the parts because what would happen is they you know here's the job. This is the parts you need. People would order them. And then inevitably you tear it down and be like, well, I need more parts. Right. So what I would do is I'd, I would do it in one fail swoop. I would order things that weren't even approved yet because I knew they, there was no way that they couldn't. Right. right? I need right. this bracket because it holds the bumper on, right? Like non, non-negotiable. So instead of doing multiple orders, it would literally tear the whole thing down, order everything at one fell swoop. That way, when it comes in, I'm not waiting, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. there's all kinds of supply chain issues, all that stuff. That was, that was kind of key number one, right? Was like really shoring up how the process flowed 
and then getting jobs in there in different ways, big versus small, all this stuff. So we could, you know, make really quick money versus the longer, bigger money and, you know, operationally flow that way. The other part was like getting certain certifications, like our ASE certification or ICAR certification, right? Mm -hmm. These are just little things that you can kind of hang your hat on. But what it also did was it allowed us to increase our revenues through margins, right? Right, right. Instead of, you know, the labor rate being at the time, I think the labor rate was like $40 per hour. I was able to bump it up to $48 per hour and get that. So that's just extra cushion, not only for the shop, but also for the techs. So then yeah, we could yeah. recruit some of the, we had the best techs in, you know, a 50 mile rate. We had people coming from, you know, driving an hour to, you know, come and work for our shop because we were so busy. Right. So that's definitely the other part of it. And then, you know, it's honestly one of the most creative things that I did was how we went to market. Right. So in that industry, a lot of it comes from insurance funneling. Mm -hmm. Insurance companies are going to dictate how much money you're going to get paid, how quickly you're going to get all this, you know, what parts you're going to use. So we weren't, we weren't a DRP direct referral shop. Mm -hmm. We didn't get direct funneling from state farm, from progressive, any of those companies. Um, I went to uh, dealerships, that didn't have an auto body shop. And I said, what would it look like if you had one, right? And white labeled it. So I would allow them to take in jobs. They would do the mechanical stuff. We would do the auto body. We would kind of split profits on it, right? Mm -hmm. So now it looked like they wouldn't lose revenue. It would go to this Chevrolet dealership instead of the other because now they had an auto body shop. Right. So I created a white label uh, program for these dealerships. So in turn, not only am I getting the collision work, mm -hmm. but then I'm also getting their used car work, right? or even their new car stuff. This stuff happens to cars as they're transporting oh, yeah. things yeah. all the time, right? So, you know, and then we're getting people that will come in for a trade and they're like, hey, I want to trade my Corolla in. They're like, we'll go fix your bumper and you'll get more in your trade in, right? So then they would refer us that foot traffic. Mm -hmm. So it was just creating additional streams of referrals and revenue as well, right? So, you know, in that time, we went from, you know, working with one dealership to working with, you know, at least almost 10 different in our you know small metropolitan area yeah that's uh, that's really smart having multiple streams and, and uh, by offering the dealers uh, additional cash flow at no real expense to them you probably hit on something uh, pretty valuable there dude well done yeah. um, I wanted to touch on the uh, on the certifications for a second like you got the shop certified which meant and, and this is something that a lot of people miss right when, when they're budgeting and putting businesses together I think they they try to say well how how cheap can I do this? I can't afford to get this guy. I can't afford to hire good help. But by having a certified shop and being able to charge more, that meant you could hire more, you could hire at a better rate, you could put out a higher quality product that you would have been able to do without being certified. So I just wanted to underline that point and how fucking smart Absolutely. it is. You know, the more you can charge, like realistically charge and not rip people off but the more you can charge the better quality product you can provide the better service you can provide and, and the more you can pay your employees that means you can get the best employees um, yeah and it, it really opens up you to lots of other opportunities like so with opuis right we went out and got all the third-party validations so we could satisfy diversity equity and inclusion for businesses right with these governmental standards that are coming through the pipe and that are already existing and so every business, no matter what, is going to need to buy internet, phone, cybersecurity, backup mm -hmm. store, right? All these things are just benchmarks. These are table stakes of what any business is going to need. Right. And so with us getting these certifications, now we're helping them not only get something they need, but then also uh, you know, helping them hit these check marks that they want to hit do, right? And creating diversity in the workplace and diversity of spend and all that, which is really great. 
long-term and bigger societally, right? To kind of spread that out. And so it was really important when I put Opuis together to do that, right? Because I meet a lot of business owners. I've been doing mentorship for a very long time. And they're like, oh, well, I'm a woman-owned business. I'm like, that's cool. Are you though? Like, have you gotten that certification? Because there is a way yeah. for you to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And and then not only, you know, like literally you are, but now you can actually get those those checks, right? And that comes through government grant. You can get grants now because of it. You can, you know, get set aside contracts now because of it, right? And all these things that are going to help your business long term. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it is really important to your point to put in that, like it just, it, as a business owner, there's no shortage of things that you can do. But, you know, you got to you got to pick you got to stack rank and prioritize. Right. I keep meaning to categorize my business as uh, as, as women owned, because, you know, when, when we merged our, our resources, I, I gave Nina just a little bit more. So it's, it's women owned and then uh, the minority partners an immigrant. So we've got an immigrant and a, a female owned business. And I just I, I just feel wrong putting that down. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm say I don't feel like an immigrant, but, you know, I know there's a huge push for diversity in the marketplace i was just always of the opinion that you know the the best guy for the job gets the job you know i never really never really went after the the diversity and inclusion stuff but uh, can you speak on that a little bit how does it work dude because i'm i'm completely ignorant of it uh how does it work like uh, that companies have that set aside or yeah does like, it have something to do with their funding i mean can they not get money if they don't Higher enough uh, people, yeah, so it depends on what industry and probably it, it, it probably depends on what state and stuff like that. Like I know mm-hmm. I work with a lot of construction companies, right? And so right, here in right. Colorado, there is a certain diversity standard that they have to have on every job. Right. And it doesn't necessarily even mean like diversity of like uh, a person, but there's also diversity standards that they need to even educate people and do ongoing training. Right. And so if they don't hit certain marks, they can get fined right or they won't win certain contracts right and so they're they'll use uh you know organizations like ours to help them hit diversity standards so then they can win a bigger contract right because they're they're a a contractor and we become a subcontractor right right yeah Yeah, yeah, things like that yeah so sometimes there can be penalizations right um for you know companies sometimes it's really more of a I always call it like a feel good type of thing. Like PepsiCo is like, Oh, we're going to spend 30% more in here. And they, they put it out on their press release. Right. And so nobody's really holding them to the standard per se, but it's really just them doing it for themselves. which, you know, ultimately of my opinion, I think that it is important to look at that type of thing. Right. Because for the longest time, and you know, this, right. Like regardless of where you're born and, and who you are, who you know is more important than almost anything in your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so if you continue to pull from the same pool of people, mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard to get in edgewise into certain industries and business. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Let, the, let, the, let the best man win, quote unquote, right? But also, like, understand that, like, opportunity is absolutely everything in life and, and really just the, the, the ability to get in there is really where it goes down. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to. With, sorry, I'm just trying to get that contract selling toilet seats to the government, man. I know I can make money on that. Twenty grand. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, go to <laughs> Sam.gov. There is a there is a contract to win every. I mean, I helped one of my buddies uh, when before I started this one up. Um, we won a contract in a prison hmm. if, to install water softeners. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, and, dude, I I worked on a project in a prison when I was a, a plumber. 
I was uh, I was 22 years old doing a plumbing apprenticeship, and um, boy, that that was that was an experience, dude. Like <laughs> installing, we were installing uh, we we're installing bathroom units. So you know the the, uh, the like there's a toilet and a sink, and it's all together and stainless yeah, steel. Stainless steel together. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and the the scariest part of it was when it was a jail, not a prison. When we went in the jail, right? We had to go into work, and they lock it all behind us and you hear the clunk and the click and you're like you were in there like yeah we we were in there nine hours you know carried our luncheon with us they searched all our stuff nine hours every day and it was it was it was quite intimidating i I don't think i'd go after a jail contract (laughs) it is different it really makes you think about uh you know trying to follow the law a little bit more right once you've been inside of a prison it's it's definitely a sobering concept well, yeah, it, it's more of about like don't get caught, you know, no cop, no yeah, crime. no cop, no crime, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little, it's legal if the cops so, aren't around, right? You're speeding, Dad. No, I'm not. No, it's legal, <laughs> cops. Yeah. That's a sign, not a cop. Anyway, enough of this. We'll uh, we'll implicate ourselves, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Or on the show, but if I did, it would be to tell you about the systems and processes I use for running businesses online which you can find in our Facebook group over at followsam.live. All right, back to the interview. Tell me what life was like coming out of the auto shop and uh, moving on to your next project. What was your biggest takeaway from that shop? Uh, you know, the biggest takeaway was that I could do it, right? Like I said, I was pretty young when I went into it and I was able to get the support I need and to amass a certain amount of success, right? And it was something that I had never experienced before, right? It's, it's really hard sometimes to conceptualize something and be like, I can do it if you've never seen it done before, right? right. right? Or if I, I you've never done that. it yourself before, right? So yeah. I think that was like, honestly, my my number one takeaway was like internally that drive that it could be done, right? So now that you can do it, you could do it again. And so that was probably the, 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 like the, the feel good Disney soundbite <laughs> that we can use for TikTok. But, you know, bigger than that, it was, you don't really understand how much hard work goes into running a business until you do it yourself. Like I, like yeah, I said, I was young. I think I was 24 at the time. I was working 10 to 20 hour, 10 to 12 hour days physically there at the shop and then taking some of that work home, right? You're putting in 14, 16 hours. And I did that Monday through Friday, half days, Saturdays, right? I was putting in a half day Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I really had a day and a half off per week, which meant grocery shopping, doing laundry, uh, taking a nap, enjoying a beer, you know, like, um, as a young, as a young man moving back to Denver at that time, I didn't know shit about the city or the nightlife because my whole world was building this business. I, I completely understand. You know, there, there comes a point where everything else gets kind of left by the side of the road. And, uh, you know, I take a, a, a turn from street racing, you know, drop a gear and disappear. Well, yeah. some, sometimes that's what you got to do when you when you're the man and you're running the company and uh, that that social life's got to uh, it's got to kind of get put to the you, side, you know. You got to pick a good partner, right? Like you talked about your partner that you're with uh, Nina, right? Mm, and like yeah. coming together. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at these great people that create businesses and you know, you can say whatever you want about certain people uh, like uh, a Jeff I, gen- Bezos I generally or, or do whatever, right? <laughs> uh but you have to look at like how much sacrifice that you you put into that 
and how much sacrifice your partner has to put into it as well. Oh yeah. Like I used, to, I used to joke with my my last girlfriend. She, I'd be on my phone and she'd be like, "You better not be working." And I'd be like, no, "I'm texting my side chick," like as a joke, right? <laughs> Just because it was easier to pretend like I was cheating than I was to work. Because like it used to, she'd do drive her nuts. She'd be like, "You're always working. You're always that." But it had to be like that, right? Yeah, like if yeah. you want it to be successful. Yeah, right? there's a certain amount of sacrifice that people don't take into account, and that's why. Dude, that's rough you know, though. It's so rough. I mean, I've lived it, and I've had, you know, I've, I've lost relationships to it. It, it it's rough. Yeah. It's like this is what I do, and you're either coming or you're not. And that's, I think that's one of the the reasons Nina and I work out so well is that we were both running companies on our own. Like she had a company, I had multiple, and we, when we got serious with each other, we, we shut our businesses down and merged and found a new holding company and new LLCs and everything. And she's just as much in it as I am, you know, like it's, it's just as much hers and her responsibility and, and she works just as, just as much as I do. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. great having somebody like when you're both pulling towards the same goal together, you know, if I could pull a hundred pounds and she could pull a hundred pounds, but magically together we can pull 500 pounds, you know, it's just, it's just how it goes. So yeah. I'm yeah so I think that's another thing too, right. Is make sure that everybody in your life knows and, or, and or pick your partners very carefully when you're mm -hmm. you know, doing entrepreneurship. Well, I'm, I met her at an entrepreneur group. So I was like, all right, fair <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like like imagine meeting somebody on the blocks, right? You you've come. She had traveled from Houston. I had traveled from College Station. We were both several hours from home. We come to a, a business meetup to talk about business, you know. Like and so you know that hey, this woman's committed to spending two days and has driven all this way and is, is here to learn. And I'm like, all right, she she must be into it, you know. I I, I knew yeah. it was a, a good vibe right from the beginning. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's get back to uh, to entrepreneur shit and entrepreneur lessons. What happened after the auto shop, dude? Where'd you go next? Yeah, so after the auto shop, I kind of found myself at a crossroad. I was, uh, I think, 26 at the time. And um, I saw technology being, you know, something that was taking over even more and more. So I wanted to get into technology. You're, you're a visionary, bro. <laughs> thanks you know I'm, I'm, I'm a paper chaser right like i was like i want to make a lot of money mm -hmm. how could i do that right and, it, and technology was the answer okay. and so i started sure. shopping shopping my resume to different places they all said the same thing fantastic resume but you don't have any experience right uh, so, well, how do I get experience, dude? What the hell? Well, see, and here's the thing. I did something that a lot of people wouldn't do, and I don't really give a fuck. Like, honestly, I humbled myself, and I took a job in a call center. Oh, wow. Right? I went from making, you know, six figures a year running this auto body shop to making cold calls for Dell and for SAP and for uh, Oracle and, you know, Ring Central, right? And I, that's what I did. I made cold calls, and I set up meetings for technology vendors and that's how i learned to get into technology and that's how i networked and i every phone call i took i would meet with the actual i would meet with oracle and say you know introduce myself and do a presentation on who i was and what i do right like i went the extra mile to do that's that smart, because yeah. i knew at some point it was going to pay off yeah right where i could i could go work for these companies and that's exactly what happened i yeah. got recruited yeah. i went from this third-party call center to being recruited to one of the largest tech companies in the world at, at that time, you know, right? And I don't, I don't want that, that. I don't want that to go unnoticed. Um, 
you know, I, I think that a lot of people miss that point in that you went and you took a lower skill job where you could learn a skill set and then you went out of your way and added value and you didn't ever sell anything. They called you, you attracted them to you. Like, um, you know, that is, that's something I learned, oh, maybe four or five years ago now as attraction-based marketing. And it's all I do with, with all my videos and my podcast, with everything, it's, it's to attract clients rather than go out and get them and go out and sell them something. You went out, you went above and beyond, you put in the work, you help these people out, you added value and then boom, recruit it just like that. Yeah. So what was, what was it like working in the corporate world? It was weird. <laughs> you know, I, that doesn't surprise I, me. I came from, you I know, mean, I came from running an auto body shop, right? I'm, I'm hanging out with felons and roughnecks and, you know, I, we're. I'm looking at your shirt, mate, and it doesn't scream yeah. corporate to me, you know? I, oh, my God. I did not. Yeah, I had long hair and a beard. And, you know, I was the guy that was going to Burning Man, doing all this like crazy stuff on the weekends, building art projects with my friends. And um, I did really well, right? Just because by virtue of. of wanting to succeed right i was always top ranked in, in president's club but i did not fit in in corporate american at all right i'm i'm a person that you know came from a single mother household before she met my stepfather right like we were there was bouts of uh, pockets where we didn't have a place to live as a kid right the first person to graduate high school and go straight to college in my family so as far as being a corporate pedigree mm -hmm. i was not yeah like i yeah, stuck yeah. out like a sore thumb yeah. right and it was very apparent and you know that was part of the reason why i exited you know corporate america right is like this isn't for me mm. it was a great way to launch myself and get to where i needed to go but culturally it was it, it's not who yeah. I am. I, I got offered a corporate role at 27 in Fort Worth in a big tower going up like that. And I'd been up there a few times and they all had badges and security guards and they all wore suits. Like it was oil and gas. It was a big deal. And um, I ended up just saying no, not filling out the paperwork and not going. They were holding the door open for me. And I just, I'm the same as you, man. I just, I, I, I like it better on the sharp end of the stick, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like, like it. it. Yeah, I like a little more action. Um, anyway, sorry. On with the story. Um, so we did a stint in corporate, and then you decided entrepreneurship was for you, right? Yeah. So I, I was trying to build Opus back in 2015. Was originally when I was like whiteboarding it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I was in corporate. So here's the thing: if 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 it's a side hustle, it's literally going to stay on the side, mm -hmm. right? I could never get it to get legs because I could never put enough energy into it. So a couple of years later, COVID happened. And what really pushed me to get back into full-time entrepreneurship was being, I got laid off twice during COVID. And mm. that second time was in uh, once in February of 2020. And then the next time was in November of 2020, you know? And at that point I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing this anymore, man. I, I'm going to break my neck if I'm going to go out here and put in this sweat, yeah. doing it for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. We all, at this point, we all thought we were going to die. So yeah, I was like, yeah. if I show up at the pearly gates and, and I didn't give it my all for myself, for my community, for my son, for my legacy, then I didn't really do anything here. Right. And so that's why, you know, I started full-time Opus and I opened another company during COVID too. That was medical stuff. Right. And it was successful be just because of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, that is, that is part of it. I think the, there are a lot of bad things to come out of COVID. 
but I think the blessing that came from COVID was the fact that it forced us to take an introspective look at our lives and, and it forced a lot of us to pivot and we ended up it's it's almost as if everybody said, Fuck it. <laughs> you know what? We you know, there's, there's a there's a play coming. Let's just go do what we actually want to do. Let's just go mm-hmm. and launch the brand we want to launch. Let's work on the business we want to work on because if we're going to get laid off anyway, we might as well go do something fun. And it's uh, the thing. It's like when you look at people who survive some kind of uh, you know traumatic experience. We all collectively s- survived a traumatic experience for mm-hmm. all we knew at that point, right? And even though like it's it you know politically right, it might not be as bad as as we thought it was at that time. Still in our brain. Dude, they were, us like that. There were the the videos of the people dropping dead on the street that they were playing. Yeah. I mean, like we we didn't like it, it's it's so funny because you know it's it's been four fucking years now, and you look back on it, and you're like, what what on earth were we thinking? But the the message that was sent to us was like, if you get this, you're gonna die. Like, well, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> it freaked us all out, right? So everybody it's like, stayed home. I look at it like you know anybody who's like survived cancer or something, right? Like mm-hmm. they have a new lease on life once you faced death. You have a new lease on life and you start living your life. And to yeah. your point, I think that's what happened with a lot of people, right? Well, it's like, it's time to live. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I say this a lot and try not to wear it out, but all of life's hard. You just got to pick your favorite hard and go do it. And I, I think it Amen. encouraged people to take a look at the hard stuff they were doing and say, you know what, if I'm going to be doing hard stuff, I'm going to be doing it for myself. You know? yeah. and, and when you couple that with a bunch of layoffs and then you couple that with the, the normalcy that remote work became, then it's just the perfect recipe for people that want to go out and create their own thing. Yeah. Which is why we're here, talking about creating our own things, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. All right, so we got to uh, fast forward a little bit because uh, I know we're both running on a tight schedule today. Um, <clears throat> I want to get back to the entrepreneur questions in just a minute. But before we do, I want to actually talk about Opuous and uh, what it is you guys actually do, how you came up with the idea, and uh, just tell us a little bit about the company. Absolutely. So Opuous helps businesses, small and large, find the best technology and energy tools for their business, right? So as we all know, every business needs technology and and stack, right? And so you can scale as a business owner through people, through crowd. Mm-hmm. or through technology. Those are right. the three main paths, right? And so we help you set a plan up to be successful and to grow your company through technology is what we do in our day-to-day business, right? Mm-hmm. So what that looks like is time savings, money savings, client advocacy, right? Expertise. We've got engineers and cloud specialists across the nation with over three centuries worth of experience. You as a small business owner don't have that. That's a lot right? of experience. Yeah. You're 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 good at what you do, and sure, you might know certain parts of technology, but you don't know everything, right? And you don't know you know how it works, right? You're the small business surgeon, right? And so mm-hmm. I talk in analogy. You go to a, a family doctor; they're going to help put you together, but they're not going to be able to do a a knee surgery. Correct. So they Correct. send a specialist, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we do: is we specialize in that. We're you come to us as your family practitioner. We're going to help you understand where you're at today in your health mm-hmm. journey, your business journey. And we say, okay, you're going to need a, a disaster recovery plan. This mm-hmm. is what this is going to look like. This is why it's going to work for your business because you're using X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. So we help businesses save money and save time by doing that, right? It's very cost effective. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't cost you any extra. We save you money. Our platform's got a marketplace like Amazon. So you can go on there and find any solution you need with side-by-side comparisons, click and buy. 
it instantly provisions into your environment. So you get, you know, I'm on the website right now, I'm just gonna put it up on the screen while you're talking. Yeah. So you get the ability to find any tool that you need, right? And also make savings on it. So the other part of it is, is vendor management. Instead of having one bill with Adobe over here and another bill with Zoom over here and another mm -hmm. bill with Microsoft yeah. over here, yeah. right? And your credit card just and after a while you lose sight of what's going on, especially you really as you do. Grow. Dude, it's so hard to it's so hard to track all that shit. The amount of money I spend on software. It, so in our portal, you go in there, you've got one bill, it'll show you everything that you're paying. You can say, Hey, I got 300 licenses of Microsoft. There's only 250, there's only 250 people. Let's minimize that, right? Because you yeah. can see the utilization and you can see what's being used and what's not, right? So immediate cost savings, immediate expertise and entry. So that's really what we do on our core fundamentals, right? Is we help organizations scale and grow and do it efficiently. I love it. I love it. That's uh, that's such a cool thing. When you come into these businesses, right? Let's uh, let's give the, the the listeners something here. When you come into these businesses, what are some of the most common and fundamental mistakes that you see and that you help to correct? Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's always, oh, just it's just fine. just just give me two. No? <laughs> yeah. So the number Sorry. one thing is is buying something cool, right? Or buying something that they're not ready to mm -hmm. to use. Right. I, I need this thing and they don't have the team to support it. Think about how many times somebody's bought a CRM, but mm. they don't have the team to implement it properly. So yeah, you've got this Ferrari, but yeah. you're not but you live in a small rural dirt road. Dude, that you're not pains, gonna rip it that pains me when people do that. I just I can't I just mm. Right I, I or know exactly what you're talking about. We walked into a business and we were just kind of casually talking. They're like, Oh, we're looking at a sauna project management tool. I was like, all right, cool. Why? Oh, we like the way it looks. It's cool. We've tried out a couple. And I was like, yeah, but you guys are a Microsoft shop. You already have project management tool baked into what you have. Why would mm -hmm. you spend extra money getting something you already have? They had no idea that this was part of their platform, right? Oh, wow. So it's really just, you know, and it's like, so then we're uncovering that and then we start kind of peeling back the layer of the onion. Well, lo and behold, we're looking at all these double duplicate, triplicate spends because they bought this because it did this. They bought that because it did that. They bought this. They forgot about that, that they yeah. bought, right? All this stuff. So we ended up at the end of this conversation being able to save them $2,500 a month. That's 24,000 plus. That's like almost 30 grand a year. That's, yeah, yeah. That we saved them just in a, a one hour long conversation uh, because you just, like I said, you just start losing sight of things. I mean, it's, I see it all the time. You know, they got a CRM that'll do email and text messaging and it'll do calendar and it'll do all of it. And then they've got separate calendar subscriptions and separate email stuff going out. I'm like, why not just, why not just stop for a minute and put it all in one spot? But, you know, I think that a lot of small business owners are intimidated by uh, the tech side of things, they they don't quite understand how to merge everything, how to make it all run at once and everything else. I know for, yeah. for a fact, I, I, I didn't. I had to go and hire some people and do some coaching and, and, and learn how to integrate everything that I wanted integrated, you know? And yep. uh, I think that's just intimidating. And so maybe uh, maybe you all can be a little bit courageous and uh, and reach out to Dante at Opius and have him take a look at the, uh, look at the businesses there. Man, Dante... <clears throat> I gotta be quick, Bob. Continuing education is super important to me. A lot of people feel as though when they leave school, that's it. And I know it's not like that in the entrepreneurial world. So for the audience, can you tell us a couple of good books that you've read recently that have made an impact on uh, on how you operate? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'll pull up my Audible list, right? Um, <laughs> I love Audible because I, I, you know, I look. I got ADHD. Reading a real book is real hard for me. Um, the first book that I actually am re- like a real paper book is called The Trust Frequency. It's, oh, uh, let me write that it's down. A, I'm not yeah, it. it's a it's a different type of book, right? So The Trust Frequency really kind of talks about abundance. It talks about how you can navigate life in a better way, just living in that idea of getting away from the scarcity mindset, right? So that's mm. number one, Yeah. right? Like I, I talk about things in a metaphysical type of manner because I really think the core element, right, behind business is you. If you're not solid as a person, it's going to spill out in your business world. Oh, man, you, you, nailed, you nailed that. You know, like I, I come in here and talk about systems and infrastructure and, and technology and building all this stuff but when i fix businesses oftentimes what i have to fix is the is the business owner's brain i gotta fix the entrepreneur's mind um that seems to be like the biggest deficiency is is getting that belief in themselves that they can actually do this you know well that's why i said the biggest takeaway from being the entrepreneur in the body shop was knowing that i could do it Yeah. yeah 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 it's real easy to bullshit and think that you can but to actually do it is different right so going back going back to the books right so yeah trust frequency the other book that i just finished up was 48 laws of power i love that book it's a great book uh one minute millionaires another one that i just finished up probably about a week and a half ago and then i'm going back to school i'm going back and and i'm uh looking at the lean startup right now oh that's a good book i haven't there's no i haven't read that in a minute yeah, uh, I have a copy of it. Right? It's it's sometimes good to go back to elementary school, right? It's sometimes good to go back to those fundamentals and and do those really simple drills, right? Because it's after a while you start getting so far away from it. I do, yeah. That you I forget totally that agree. simple stuff, right? And I so, totally agree. like I said, I like to humble myself occasionally, right, and go back and be like, okay, I'm gonna make the cold calls. Okay, I'm gonna go back and lead, read the lean start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, making those calls is is very easy to put off. I don't think anybody likes making cold calls to clients. <laughs> All right, Dante, we've got to wrap this up, pal. But before we do, i got a couple more questions for you. And uh, this is one that I ask every one of my guests. You know this show's aimed at entrepreneurs that are uh, a few years behind us in the uh, in the entrepreneur life cycle. Uh, so if you could go back to Dante a few years ago uh, and give him one piece of advice as he was sitting in his corporate job there, um, what advice would you want to give to him? Yeah. Uh, ooh, that's a great question. Because <laughs> I, prob- I, pro- I, I, I want probably you to talk say- to the listener that's sitting in that cubicle right now that's worried about stepping out of his cubicle and starting his business. Oh, well, I'll do it to say I, I, I end almost every podcast I've been on saying uh, saying that I really love to bestow upon anybody who will listen to me, right? It's manifestation without perspiration stays in your imagination. Oh, I love that. that. And what that means, right, is it's not enough to want it, right? And just think, I want to be a millionaire and you just sit there, right? Or you do something passive, like play the lottery, right? You got to put in that perspiration. There is no fucking four-hour work week. There is no, (laughs) you know, silver bullet. There is nothing but perspiration to make it work. Because if you're only thinking about it, you're never going to get anywhere. Create your MVP. Create your minimum viable product, right? Just the bare minimum that's going to get you on the board and test it and go out and do it make that first phone call walk into that first office post your you know create your facebook make that first business post just do it like honestly there is nothing to do but to do i love it say that quote one more time 
manifestation without perspiration stays in your imagination. I love it. May, may I borrow that? You can borrow that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna you can borrow that. that. So it's, my, it's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> well, man, the last question, uh, Dante, it's, it's been a blast hanging out for the last 45 minutes, but the last question for everybody that has enjoyed listening to you and wants to learn a little bit more about who you are and uh, about Opuous and how it can help them, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, so we are everywhere underneath Opuous at our website, oppuous.com. You can find us. Um, go to you know slash marketplace if you want to check out the marketplace. Uh, we're on all social media under Opuous as well. O P P U O U S. You can't miss us. We're the we're the octopus, right? Opuous yeah. octopus. Yeah, dude. Well, man, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us, Dante. It's been an for absolute pleasure. And uh, dude, yeah. I'd love to catch up with you again in the future and see what uh, see what you guys are up to over there. This uh, sounds like a plan. I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you to the viewers for listening. You know, you spent 45 minutes listening to us babble. You could have been doing anything with your time and you chose this, which means that you chose yourself first. So thank yourself. I love it. All right, Dante, thank you. Guys, that was Dante White, the founder of Opuous, the company that navigates business technology. So you don't have to, if you have enjoyed this show, run around, look at the links, find where he's at, go give him some love. And uh, as always, when you leave a review, it helps us out. It helps get the message out. And uh, damn, I love you. I love doing this job. I love being a small business surgeon. I love pouring into you guys. So thank you for that. You'll be good. Stay safe. And I will see you this Friday for another episode of Friday Fire. Bye. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show for today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversation that we've had and you want to learn a little bit more about the systems and processes involved in running businesses online, join our Facebook group over at followsam.live. All right, that's it from me for today. You'll be good. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week.